Welcome everyone to It Takes a Village, a Gaggle podcast. Listen in as we dive into education topics, speak with industry leaders, and share the latest updates from Gaggle. My name is Padgett Hetherington. I'm the Vice President of Marketing at Gaggle. And today I'm joined by Susan Gentz. Susan is the founder and owner of BSG Strategies, which is a, cons a consulting business focused specifically on education leadership. Ms. Gentz is also currently working with Dr. Keisha Ray as the vice president at K20 Connect. Uh, I'm gonna have Su Susan tell us a little bit more about herself and her expertise in funding, but I just wanna say today's podcast topic is the new stimulus funding that has just been signed into law on December 27th, so literally a few days ago um, at, at, at the time we're recording this. We want to, take, to have a look at how this funding can help school districts. So that's what we're gonna be addressing here today. Um, so Susan, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your exper expertise in funding. Thank you so much, Padgett, for having me. I always love talking with you and the Gaggle team. Um, my name is Susan Gentz, as she mentioned, and I have a long history in the policy world, especially when it comes to education. Um, and lately with COVID and all of the crazy things happening, funding has been a big thing as we've now had two stimulus bills passed. And um, I got my experience. I started in policy in the Iowa House of Representatives at the state level. And I then moved to the United States Senate uh, where I got some more of that federal level experience. So uh, through working through both of those institutions, I've uh, really gotten to dig deep into education funding at all levels. And this is definitely a big bill that's going to have a lot of impact on districts. So I'm excited to dive in and get started. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Susan. So I think where we're going to kick off this conversation is really just to get a 100,000 foot overview of what this new bill is and how it relates to education. So why don't you start us off with that? Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to. So I want to first actually start out with a little bit of what's not in the bill because that does have an impact for education. And uh, many of you might have heard by now, but states and localities did not get any funding in this round. So the fact that education got this much is actually kind of a miracle. The whole bill being signed is really a miracle. We can say that, but um, it's, it's this really kind of, there's some tension right now because the states and localities didn't get anything. And that does make a difference for education because if you remember in the CARES Act, uh, districts and localities were partnering up and sharing some of those funds. And so that was kind of a way to encourage innovative uses and trying to you know, pilot new things to share those funds and make them stretch further. And so now this is all on education. And education did receive a significant more amount than the CARES Act, about four times the amount actually for K-12 districts than we saw back in March. So the bill itself, is actually kind of like two bills in one. One part is the COVID relief fund and the other part is the actual funding for the next year through appropriations. So I'm gonna start with the just COVID relief part, which is $900 billion total. And through that COVID relief part, 82 billion went to the education stabilization fund 
which is the same fund that uh, was created under the CARES Act. So uh, just as a reminder, K-12 got 13 billion in the CARES Act, uh, and now K-12 this round is getting 54.3 billion. Um, delivered the same way that Title I formula uh, is how districts are going to get their amount allocation, uh, but it is a lot more funding for education than we saw in March. Um, and just, just as another overview, higher education will get 22.7 billion out of that 82, and 4 billion is going to go again to that Governor's Emergency Education Relief or GEAR fund. Uh, so those funds are all the same as the CARES Act, just different amounts. And there yeah. is one other change um, to the GEAR fund, which I wanted to just mention, and that's there's an actual call out for private schools who can apply to that, uh, which was not a thing under the CARES Act. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, all right, well, that's, um, that's a significant increase uh, yes. between then and now. Um, so that's exciting for uh, school districts. Can you tell us a bit more about the specific education funding found in the bill and how it will be distributed? Is that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's really interesting because when I first was seeing things come out about what might be in the bill for K-12 education, a lot of people were really focused on HVAC systems and making sure that districts had funds to make sure that their buildings were safe and clean for opening 100%. Uh, but if you go look at the bill, the funds can be used, again, to address learning loss, improve school facilities and infrastructure, um, and also purchase education technology. So uh, if there's any confusion on that, I saw some articles that were really focused on these funds have to be used for that. That's not true if you see it, there's still those uses um, pretty much the same as the CARES Act before. Um, and I also wanted to point out that the funding is available to spend through September of 2022. And the reason I wanna point that out is because there was also a lot of confusion under the CARES Act on when the funds needed to be spent <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, and that distribution will look very similar uh, from the CARES Act, it'll go to your state education agency. They can, again, keep 10% for administration and other priorities. And then after the state education agency, it'll go down to your district and then districts can decide which schools um, have the needs for those. So that distribution should look very, very similar. Uh, we have not yet seen an application for these funds, but I would also speculate that it would look very similar to that certification and agreement that we saw under the CARES Act. So when do you think the application would be available? Last time it was in a matter of weeks and then the uh, Department of Education was required to obligate funds within three days of the approval of the application. Okay. And I would imagine that it would be very similar this time around with very few changes. Okay, great. Um, and just a quick follow-up question regarding the timing. I read, um, and there's just so much on this, right? I read that the, the time was, the deadline was December of 21. So you're saying it's September of 22. For the funds to be spent. Yes. Right. And what's very interesting is under the CARES Act, actually 429 billion dollars 
uh, were not spent by the deadline um, for wow. states and localities. Um, and so I think there's there might be something this time to really make sure that the money can get spent in time uh, because it just, that was money that they all gave back to the federal government, which now is being reallocated again through this stimulus. But it, it was just all so fast that nobody could actually get the funds plan for them and then spend them within the timeline. Um, and really districts didn't have an issue. They, they had most of theirs uh, planned out and spent. And a lot of districts you'll see spent those funds on devices and connectivity. Those were definitely the top two spends for districts. Um, but this will be a little different because now if districts have those things covered, they're actually going to be focusing on more learning and social emotional issues um, that they just didn't have the funds for last time. So it'll be interesting to see how the funds get get spent this time around. Okay, great. And so the December date that I read must be must have just been about maybe you have to decide how you're spending the money by then or it could be that's when your application okay. um, might be due. I haven't read that, so I'm not 100% sure uh, what it is. So I don't want to speak wrongly about something. Okay, um, that's fine. But, I just... but for these funds, it's September of 2022. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, let's see. I think I want to just ask a little bit about uh, title funding and the increases seen in the budget portion of the bill with regards to title funding. Yeah, so uh, Congress did pass their next budget for the fiscal year. Um, and overall, we'll see an increase of $785 million above the 2020 level for education. Um, that brings the total discretionary funding for education to $73.5 billion. Um, and overall, this bill does provide about $40 billion for K-12 education programs. And that is 498 million above the 2020 enacted level. So I don't know, <laughs> I'll, I'll run through these. I don't want it to be like, here's a bullet list of all the funds for you. If you wanna read that in total, I uh, did a blog for Gaggle, so you can go check that out on their website. Um, but we are seeing increases in every title for education. So title one, um, we're actually seeing a $227 million increase. Uh, Title IIA, a lot of supporting effective instru instruction, uh, got an increase of $11.3 million. Uh, Title IA, which is a lot of well-rounded education, technology, and supporting safe schools, um, got it's fully funded for the first time since the creation of that grant. So that's exciting for uh, education technology advocates. Um, and then there is an increase of 500, of 5 million above um, the 2020 level for homeless children and youth. Uh, so those are some of the, the big highlights of the funding levels for the upcoming fiscal year. Thank you very much. Okay, that's, I mean, this is all really great news for, uh, for school districts. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It seems an awful lot. So that's super. Um, Susan, what provisions are there in this new bill for mental health support for students? Sure, we're increasingly seeing mental health as a concern across every 
industry, right? So um, we're seeing it in adults who are kind of over the COVID isolation. We're seeing it in students that just are longing for that normalcy. Uh, and Congress is hearing that. So um, in the COVID bill specifically, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration did see a pretty healthy increase of 133 million above 2020 for their um, full, for their funding through this. Um, and within that, there's increased support for mental health resources, which is creating a new $35 million crisis care initiative within the mental health block grant, expanding services and support for mental health for children and youth, which is $107 million for something called Project AWARE. Um, and if you're not familiar, Project AWARE is a school and campus-based mental health service and support grant. Um, and of that 12.5 million uh, are going in grants to support efforts, especially in high crime, high poverty areas um, and communities that are seeking to address relevant impacts of civil unrest, community violence and collective trauma. Uh, so very important for mental health is this project AWARE, um, which has been around, but this increase is definitely something that will help stretch that grant a little further. Um, and Congress also put in a um, provision for suicide prevention, um, including 21 million for a zero suicide program, which is an increase of 5 million, uh, and 24 million for the suicide lifeline, which is also an increase of 5 million. Um, and that's the COVID aspect of it. We also saw in the title funding that there's additional support for social and emotional learning um, an initiative created for the fiscal year that will give 67 million for the education innovation and research program. Um, and that's a $2 million increase for that. But that's a fund that um, was created to spur innovations and address students' social, emotional, and cognitive needs. Um, so that's, there's a few places within the appropriations bill that also are trying to address uh, some of the mental health issues that we are already seeing some research about how there's a definite need for some funding in that space. So with regards to uh, broadband provisions and connectivity, are there, are there elements of this new stimulus bill that address those? Yeah, so this was a really hard fought battle during the negotiation progress and uh, you know, there's been several stimulus bills introduced since the CARES Act that have failed to go anywhere. Uh, but one version in the Senate included $3 million for E-rate. And so I think advocates got pretty excited that there was going to be this big increase in E-rate funds to connect schools and libraries. Um, however, <laughs> that provision did not make it in. Um, and so there's definitely some disappointment to not see the E-rate program get funded. However, uh, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon worked really hard with a couple of other senators to make sure that broadband still got included. Uh, so it's not necessarily specific to E-rate, but the bill does provide $7 billion in funding for broadband connectivity and infrastructure. And what's actually kind of cool about this funding is 3.2 billion is actually going for a $50 per month emergency broadband benefit for people who are laid off or furloughed during the pandemic. 
And so a lot of times we'll see broadband dollars that's going specifically to lay fiber and to really connect the infrastructure and make it so that it's available. This bill is trying to address that issue, but then also give a subsidy to families who uh, maybe can't afford it right now because of COVID um, based on that. So the bill is trying to both help infrastructure and then also help individual families. And so this is something that uh, is kind of new where we're seeing the same fund try to address both sides of the issue. Uh, so we'll see how that works. I'm sure um, advocates are still going to be work hard, working hard to get funds for E-rate specifically, but there's at least some funding there to work on this issue. So um, it definitely was a compromise and very cool to see it get into the bill. There's a lot of numbers that you've been going through on this podcast, and um, I, I, you did mention that we do have a blog that you wrote that has a, a lot of this. So if you are interested in seeing um, some of these numbers more specifically, you can go to gaggle.net and, and to Susan's blog and um, check that out. So just sending everybody in that direction. Um, what about the executive branch and all this? What, what's going on there? Yeah, it's uh, very interesting when you have an outgoing president and an incoming one trying to both navigate their, their political landscape at the same time. Uh, so President Trump uh, actually signed an executive order um, that will provide uh, something called emergency learning scholarships for students. And so this was a way that this administration said, hey, we, as we know, President Trump threatened to not sign this bill because he thought the individual checks were too small. Um, so this was a way for his administration to say, hey, we still wanna give money to families. Um, and so he signed this executive order, which allows uh, individual families to apply to the community services block grant program there is criteria for it that you have to be a low income or very low income family, but the scholarships can be used for uh, tuition and fees for schools, homeschool, microschool, or learning pod costs, uh, special education services, um, or even some therapies if students are going through those. Uh, or the last use uh, allowed is tutoring or remedial education. So. Uh, the current administration tried to allow some flexibility there to get some more funds back in the hands of families who have really been impacted by COVID. And then you have President Biden, President-elect Biden, uh, who has proposed a significant investment um, for education, including tripling funds for Title I. Um, and so obviously that's where a lot of district funding comes from. Um, and if it's successful, uh, the federal government would actually have a much more financial influence over K-12 schools. Right now, only about 8% of school funding comes from the federal government. Uh, and so if we see an investment that triples that, then obviously that number is going to go higher and uh, federal government would have a little bit more say over where and how dollars are distributed. So. There's definitely a lot of push and pull already happening. And uh, we also have a new Secretary of Education announced who is very um, open to you know, personalized learning models. He's definitely pushing to open schools within the first 100 days um, of the administration. And so there's a lot of 
uh, just back and forth happening right now between all the different players as President Trump is still in, but we're trying to transition to President-elect Biden. <laughs> and so um, a lot of things are speculation right now until they're actually in office. But uh, there's definitely going to be increased efforts for funding education uh, once the administration changes. Okay, that's great. Um, that's some more good news and, you know, positive things to be looking forward facing. Um, so, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, Susan, are there any other elements of the stimulus bill that you think uh, we should make people aware of at this juncture? Or do you feel like you've kind of covered the highlights? I would say that's definitely the highlights for now. I think going forward and reasons to keep checking back would definitely be when regulations and rules start to get changed. Uh, so there's a lot of Trump era regulations that the Biden administration will definitely reverse and throw out. Um, and I think that that once we start seeing those, that will also shift where and how some of the funding goes. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as the stimulus bill, um, those are definitely the main highlights, but there's still many battles to be had <laughs> once once the outgoing administration um, is gone. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess we don't really have any time frame on that. That would be looking at tea leaves at this point, I guess, or do you? Yeah, and, and the thing about changing rules and the regulation, that rulemaking process, can take years because there has to be a proposal of rules and then they have to open it for public comment period and then they have to have their committee review it. And so uh, some of those things take, uh, you know, can take half of a term to actually get changed. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> it's, uh, it's very interesting, but all good news that this bill passed, right? So that that's looking on the positive side. And um, I thank you very much for all this, this great information, Susan, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today about um, these issues. And um, thank you for shedding some light on some of the more sort of complicated aspects of this new stimulus bill. So I really appreciate it. Um, if uh, anybody is interested in finding out more about that, I would definitely direct you to the blog post we have on our website. Um, and with that, thank you all for listening in and please join us for a future podcast from Gaggle's It Takes a Village podcast series. Thank you very much.